it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, fired up for another big day of top-shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. The guy in the Oval Office, Joe Biden, speaking yesterday to the American people, declaring that he's going to end the COVID pandemic on May 11th. That's kind of big news if you're in Washington, where the bureaucratic pandemic has gone on and on for three years. But to the rest of us, we're like, yeah, we were kind of done with this like two years ago, man. Biden is such a disaster. It really is. We're going to discuss that disaster with Florida Representative Anna Paulina Luna, freshman congresswoman, first Mexican-American woman elected to Congress in Florida. Historic day on the show. She stops by. Brian Brenberg is going to be here to talk about the looming recession. They're telling us that in 2023, things are about to go sideways. He's, of course, the host of the Big Money Show. He will give you some survival tips because that is very much what this show is. You know, if you ever go read about Ted Williams, the splendid splinter, the old Boston Red Sox, Hall of Famer. A lot of people consider them one of the best hitters of all time. Ted Williams hit 406 in a season, but he loved to talk hitting. He loved to talk about how to survive at bats. 0 and 2 count, 2 and 0 count. Guys brushing you back at the plate. You know, runners on second and third. You're trying to go the other way. Stuff like that. Okay, we very much love to talk process on this show. Like, I'm invested in you because this is like a good old-fashioned talk show where I'm not trying to, you know, direct the way you vote. I'm not trying to win an election for a political party. I'm very much Ted Williams. I'm just trying to help you survive the day. Well, we got a fuel crisis? Okay, this is what you do. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we got dumb people in Washington. All right, this is what you do. So that's what we've got on the plate today. Three hours. You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. You can like it. You can hate it. Uh, You can do whatever you want. You can call in. It's 888-788-9910. The only rule governing the entire existence of the show. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. You could be a Libertarian. You could be an Independent. You could identify as a dog. I don't care. Fine. Doesn't matter. Okay, anything you want to be. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Like I say, just don't be a. That is all. Happy Tuesday. Busy Tuesday. I was on Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, it is on the Fox Across America page, foxacrossamerica.com. If you didn't see it, it's also at the tippy top of the Fox News website. That's pretty cool. Uh, we also shared some clips from last night's appearance on Gutfeld. That was on Greg Gutfeld, uh, the highest rated late night comedy show in the country. Pretty rad, pretty exciting. And uh, there were a lot of discussions on Fox and Friends. I was also on with Stuart Varney just a few minutes ago on the Fox Business Network. Tonight I'm scheduled to be on Kennedy and Laura Ingram. Okay, and I bring all of this up, not just a sandwich board for my happening TV career, but because wherever I go, and you know this if you've met me at one of these live events we do on the radio, you know, stand-up events, like we're going to Reno this weekend, Carson City. I Excuse me. I'm going to Carson City. My son keeps asking. Lincoln's like, I want to go. I'm like, I'm not bringing you to Reno. I'm not bringing you to Carson City, Lincoln. Calm down. That's no way. When Jenny wises up and left and, and, and decides to leave me, that's how you lose custody of the kid. And then, Your Honor, he took the kid to Carson City. 
They did late night stand up and they played blackjack with all of Jimmy's dirtbag friends. They were smoking cigars. That's how you lose custody. I'm not falling for it, Lincoln. I'm looking out for you. But the point is, in every one of these places I go and I meet you guys and we talk, do you know what none of us talk about? And I mean none of us talk about, nor have we ever talked about in the last two years, COVID. Bingo. Okay, I'm not saying it's fake. I'm not saying it's not a thing or that people shouldn't take it seriously because we all know people who have died of COVID. That being said, this was a pandemic of bureaucracy and nothing more for about, I would say, give or take the last 16 months. Tell them like it is. Okay. Things remained in place in Washington, you know, the emergency declaration of COVID. Because they were allowed to weaponize that emergency context. Oh, it's a COVID emergency. We can't come to Washington and do our jobs. From now on, we'll have proxy voting. And what proxy voting allowed representatives to do was take up votes on bills while they were vacationing around the world. You remember Mondaire Jones, our representative here in New York, said a wedding on the French Riviera at a time when he's, you know, recording videos saying everybody's got to stay home. Things are bad. We can't even go to the House of Representatives and vote right now. It's so bad. So I'm just going to be over here at the bar, double fisting. <laughs> just going to be slamming champagne, popping bottles with models over on the French Riviera. That's been the scam all along. Nancy Pelosi extended proxy voting multiple times in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Of course she is. But understand, the science never aligned with the edict, okay, at a time when they were telling you vaccinated people couldn't get COVID. And this is how you know it's a scam. Like vaccinated people can't get COVID. You get COVID, you can't get, you know, you get vaccinated, you can't get COVID. That was a scam. Okay, I've played you the clips thousands of times. Okay, but at a time when they were saying that, they were still telling you, even though everyone in Congress was vaccinated, that they couldn't go into the House of Representatives and do the people's business. Why? Well, because the COVID. I mean, it, this is politics as usual. Of course it is, because if you're going to tell me in one breath that you're inoculated against this virus because of the vaccine, but in the next, say, a bunch of vaccinated people can't get together, okay, what you're really doing is just lying, okay? And that's what the COVID pandemic was. It allowed them to spend more money. Okay, you think of all the money allocated to schools. Okay, you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. Places like Chicago got over $100 billion. 90% of it was unspent at the time they authorized even more COVID spending. That is financial lunacy. Think about the American Rescue Plan. Remember when Joe Biden signed the American Rescue Plan? I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Okay, and the American Rescue Plan was another $1.9 trillion in COVID spending. It was essentially disguised as family infrastructure. And the guise was, well, it's, you know, COVID. We've got to pass the American Rescue Plan. Everything's bad right now. We needed the COVID. We've got to spend the money. And what ultimately happened? In that American Rescue Plan, less than 9% of the money was allocated to COVID. What a fraud. So what COVID has been for, you know, the better part of two years. Again, we know people that have died. I do. You might. Okay. But what it has been, once we understood who it was affecting, once we had targeted data, elderly Americans with underlying health complications, and, of course, people who are on the same diet I am. (laughs) You know, if you're on the Jimmy Fallon diet. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. Maybe so. But we would be considered the most susceptible people to this virus. Getting past that, They've known for at least two full years 
that this was not the threat to the general population that they were selling it as. But they continued to sell it anyway because there was money to be made. Now understand, okay, I got all kinds of weird flashback clips to play you. Let me give you this one. This was Biden in September of 22 saying the pandemic is over. He caught a lot of hell for this. This is clip two. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. Okay, and he's right. But do you know what happened to Biden the next day? They're like, oh, the president misspoke. He didn't understand. COVID's not over. And why? Because from a medical standpoint, the president was right to say that everybody's moved on from COVID. They're living their lives. But if COVID goes away, so does all of their power. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. That's the hook. They needed COVID around. So understand, even so, Biden has just declared that the COVID emergency will officially end on May the 11th. As if COVID gets an ETA. Like it's traveling here using a GPS. Yeah, according to this, it says I'll be gone by May the 11th. Won't be around anymore. You're good till now and then. Basically, what they did is they bought themselves a little more time to abuse their power in Washington. To, you know, change how they legislate, change the measures, and the initiatives they put in place for schools. But the point is, everyone has always said we've come back to the same familiar refrain. All the people implementing these rules weren't actually following them. And that's where we find ourselves now. The pandemic's not over. It's over May 11th. Yo, pandemics. Okay, they don't really follow calendars. They don't really know. Okay, there's no science behind this. That is correct. Here is KJP. This is my favorite thing in the world. Biden spoke and said the pandemic was over. So she was asked, is the pandemic over? She said no. You understand? We're living in a country where the president of the United States' word doesn't matter. Oh, forget what he said. It's just that doddering old man. Remember the analogy I gave you about how Joe Biden is the elderly relative with dietary restrictions? You know, you take somebody out to dinner and he goes, I'll have the lasagna. Then you got to grab the waitress and be like, Grandpa can't have cheese. Just bring him the chicken. He won't know the difference. And the waitress like, you sure? Like, yeah, he has no idea. And then they'll bring the chicken and Grandpa doesn't even notice. He just eats it. That's Biden. Pandemic's over. Then the bureaucrats grab the... You know, the waiter, and they're like, no, no, the pandemic can't be over. We're still spending money. We're still imposing regulations. Just bring, just bring him that. He won't know the difference. And that's KJP, flat out contradicting the president. This is the woman who speaks for the president saying disregard what the president said. Clip three. I'll say this. Uh, we have protections in place to protect staff and the president of the United States. COVID isn't over. Uh, we've been very clear about that. Hundreds of Americans are dying every day, and cases are increasing right now, uh, today. I mean, come on. People right now are not living the fear that they were trying to sell you. Okay, people right now, not to say people aren't getting sick. Okay, but you know what people are really getting sick of at this point? Being told what to do by the government. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And that's what this is indicative of. Biden is, again, trying to thread a needle where, okay, yeah, great, fine. Okay, we'll admit it. It's over. Can't do it anymore, but he's still trying to give D.C. cover for a few more months so they can continue to get over on the American people. I don't know what kind of legislation is about to get passed or what kind of regulation or what type of teachers union shakedown is coming. But the fact remains, when you declare a virus is over on a specific day five months from now, the only science you're talking about is not the stuff in a lab. It is the political science. 
That's the issue. Okay, so you're watching a situation play out where there's folks in Washington that have exploited this to the moon. I mean, they made pharmaceutical companies a trillion dollars. They flat out told you, okay, it was none of your business whether or not they were getting rich by recommending booster shots. Do you remember when Fauci was under oath and said to Rand Paul, well, under the law, I don't have to tell you whether or not we're making money off recommending these boosters. Okay, if you are profiteering or forcing and recommending medicine on people with no data related to the long-term effects it'll have on them, that's like real dirtbag stuff. So you'd want to distance yourself from any assumption that you were profiting by wildly pushing medicine on people with no regard for the long-term effects it would have on them. You'd want to distance yourself from that, unless, of course, you were under oath, at which point you could be perjuring yourself if the guy you were talking to came to find out that you were lying. So Fauci cited that law and was willing to take the hit in the court of public opinion because it was better than being honest or even trying to be dishonest and saying he wasn't making the money and ultimately taking that hit in a court of law. And the biggest frustration I have, without even getting into the semantics of Fauci and everything else, is the pandemic was an opportunity for us to play team ball. And what I mean by that is it was common cause. It affected you at the height of this pandemic when it was really crazy, when it was really going down. The pandemic affected you with no regard for who you voted for. It didn't know if you're a Republican or a Democrat. You know, when you think back to September 11th, if you were here in New York like we were, okay, people weren't running into the buildings going, who'd you vote for? They were just running into the buildings and saving people. Okay, COVID was that type of moment. It was an all-hands-on-deck moment. But rather than saying we're all going to fight this virus, what happened is the people in power at the time were the Republicans. They fought the virus, and Democrats fought them. And the Democratic mantra in the run-up to the 2020 election was, well, these guys don't know what they're doing with COVID. We can't have them in charge. We need a steady hand at the till. So what did we do? We elected Biden. And what has happened in the aftermath of his election? Twice as many people have died of COVID under Joe Biden as they did under Donald Trump. It's also worth noting that there was a vaccine in place, three of them, under Joe Biden, that they flat out forced on you. And we still had twice as many deaths. So any case being made that Biden had a better handle on this than anybody else did is completely out the window. Okay, what he really had a handle on was understanding how Washington works. We've got a national emergency. People are scared. We can make some money off this. We can move some legislation off of this. We can appease some teachers unions. We can put everybody's freedoms on ice and we can run with this thing for a good two years. When they say in Washington, and I'm telling you this because I care, man. When they say in Washington, oh, you know, we need a guy who's been around, he has the wisdom, he works across the aisle. Okay, what they mean is the uniparty, the uniparty that wants that control over your life, the uniparty that has no regard for your freedoms as long as they're able to remain in power and keep making money. And essentially what Biden is acknowledging by ending COVID on May the 11th is not science. It's the fact that the Uniparty has had to flat out admit to themselves, you know, the jig is up, dude. We got two more years out of this than we should have. So what they're basically telling you is, fine, we'll give you COVID because we're going to go get working on the next thing we'll weaponize against the public. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fail. A busy day on the show. Florida Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna stopping by in the next hour. Brian Brenberg in the house as well. And call balls and strikes on the economy. It's a mess out there, but we're trying to clean it up. Here's a clip from the president. He declared the COVID emergency over. But the stupid emergency in that we really do have people in places of high power in this country who really just come across as clueless we have people in washington that don't know what they're doing okay well in this instance i don't even know if they know where they're doing it here is joe biden telling another bonkers story about riding amtrak this is biden had a special key on the train it's clip 21 i can say it now since i know the uh there's different leadership i used to about uh 15% 15% of the time, ride with the engineers, for real. And I'm the only guy that I'm aware of when I stopped riding Amtrak that had a key to get in the back. We have a president that is clearly not all there. <laughs> I used to ride with the engineers 15% of the time. What a random, arbitrary number to make up. Biden's lost his marbles. (laughs) I used to, 15% of the time, I had a secret key to get in the back of the train. Have you ever had a check? I don't know that he has. This is concerning stuff. Biden is, I was saying this on Fox and Friends this morning. I used to drive old men in my cab who would tell long rambling stories. And when they realized you didn't find it interesting, they'd just spice it up by throwing something else in. You know, guy, you're driving a guy 90 blocks uptown. And he's just rambling on about some dumb thing he did this morning. And finally, and then I met Joe DiMaggio. And you're like, I, this, what? What? This guy didn't meet you. He would have opened with the fact that he met Joe DiMaggio. It seems like a, this weird sandwich order you placed that took 12 minutes longer than usual wasn't the reason for the story. You know, it's weird. But anyway, that's what Biden does. He goes off on these rambling, incoherent train speeches. And I had a key, a special key to get in the back. You don't understand. And uh, I got to tell you, I highlight this stuff because I know a lot of liberal media outlets don't. But you know who does highlight this stuff? The rest of the world. They pay attention and they go, oh, no, the guy in America. No, no, the engine's running. There's nobody behind the wheel. Apparently, he can't find the key to get behind the wheel. It's a mess. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing at 888-788-9910. You're listening on the roar of Memphis. You know, we've been keeping you in our hearts, hoping your society holds together uh, in the aftermath of this heinous police murder of Tyree Nichols, Uh, you know. Sending good vibes to everybody except the race pimps. I come back to the story really quick because Joy Reid chimed in again last night. Joy Reid is a race baiting loser. My thing, man, uh, is someone who's lucky enough to have a platform where you're talking to millions of people is I put so much thought into how I affect your life. 
Like, one of the reasons I'm in a good mood is because I'm in a good mood. I don't know any better. I'm a little slow. Uh, but the other reason I'm in a good mood is I realize you're going to listen to two, three hours of the show a day. And it's going to make you feel a certain way. And you're going to take that vibe to every other place you go. So your mood's going to affect somebody's mood is going to affect somebody's mood. And the point is, I'm always trying to be, you know, I say like a, a force multiplier of positive energy. A dog with a job. That's what I always say. You know, when you go to the airport, the dog's always wagging its tail when it's sniffing bags because it can't believe they're counting on him to save the plane. That's me. I'm always in a good mood on the air because I'm a dog with a job. I can't believe they're counting on me to save the plane. I'm like, this is crazy. Okay, but I'm always fascinated by the people like Joy Reid, by the people like Whoopi Goldberg. I'll play you some of her clips that are so willing to poison the lives of strangers with pretend claims of racism. Because you understand the people still trying to weaponize race in the aftermath of this Memphis situation are doing so not because they care about society or the victims or anything in between. It's because they care about themselves. They're trying to get some clout. They're trying to get some viewers. In some instances, like the Benjamin Crumps of the world, they're actually just trying to get paid from this stuff. Money, 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 money. Okay, some people want to get political clout. You know, well, you know, you got to vote for us. This stuff doesn't happen if you vote for us. I mean, that was the hook during 2020 when they were burning down society over George Floyd. They were telling us, well, no, this is America systemically racist. You got to get rid of Donald Trump. He's been in this systemic government that's racist for the last four years. You got to get him out. We're systemically racist. You got to replace him with the guy who's been part of the systemically racist government for 50 years. And you're like, wait, what? That was the pitch? And people signed up for it. They, they actually, listen, people signed up to defund the police. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. I mean, really think about that. Okay, we need cops. If you're a cop out there, you're listening, you're one of the brave men and women who put on the uniform, we know that 99% of you are great. And uh, I get on the air every day and make sure I defend you because I know we can't have a society without you. We understand how important you are. 99% of us understand how important you are. Yeah, there's some dirtbags out there trying to cast aspersions on the work you guys do, trying to tell us, as Joy Reid is about to in this clip, that what went on down there in Memphis, it's going on every single day in this country. No, it's not. Okay, the police are now wearing body cams all across the country. If this was going on every day, you'd be hearing about it every day. You'd be watching it every day. There'd be cries and rallies and chaos and everything in between. What body cams have ultimately revealed to the American people, even though it doesn't spun this way, is that the cops are a lot better, a lot more professional, a lot more on top of things than the media would have you believe. That's the reveal of body cams. Yeah, we have this terrible video, and I'm glad we see it. I'm glad these cops are going to be held accountable. But do we have, I don't know, dozens and dozens of similar videos to go with this? The answer would be no. No, we don't. And you understand, these people are trying to weaponize racism when it's not there. You understand? They're telling you five black officers beating up a black man is racism. That's absurd on its face. But if they're willing to cry racism when it's not there, you damn well better believe that if they had an incidence, incident where they were beating up someone and it was the color of their race, they'd be showing it to you everywhere in the world. They don't sweep these under the rug. Okay, they do everything they can to amplify them, to shout them from the rooftops. But the problem for the race pimps, for the grifters, the Joy Reeds of the world, the Ben Crumps of the world, 
is if the element of racism goes away in our society, if we actually acknowledge that it's 2023 instead of 1823, then they have no relevance. They have no purpose for being. Joy Reid is the race lady. She goes on MSNBC every night and just something is racist. It's like it's actually funny. Like people are like, oh, do me, do me. You know, like it was an honor back in the day if Weird Al Yankovic parodied your song. You're like, oh, wow, this band's getting big. Weird Al's doing them. And that's how politics work now. Like, you know, you're getting big if Joy Reid's doing you. Oh, Joy Reid's calling them racist. Oh, wow, you're making it. Wow, look at that. It's just yelling racism and stuff. It's like a wheel of racism. You spin the, you spin it every night. <laughs> wheel of, what's it going to be tonight? Oh, it's baseball's racist. All right. The black cops are racist. Wait, what? That's what they do. So here is Joy Reid, though, wanting you to believe, okay, that we're just running wild. What happened to Tyree Nichols is as American as apple pie. It's clip nine. Now, if you have a heart, what happened to the 29-year-old father, skateboarder, FedEx driver, and amateur photographer should outrage you. It should shock and disgust you, as should the so-called brothers who chose to behave like a little blue gang rather than as black men. But it damn sure shouldn't surprise you. What happened to Tyree Nichols was as American as apple pie. Oh, shut up, woman. It was it was as American <laughs> as apple pie. That is a fact check false. Okay, at the connotation there being, you know, it's American as apple pie. It's something that goes on here all the time. It's all over the place, but it's not all over the place. That's the point. Okay, the reason we are all appalled, the reason we were all horrified by the video we haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Okay, there are three iconic police videos, bad videos, that really cast the cops in a horrific light that we've watched in our lifetime. And it's three too many because no one should be getting beaten and dying at the hands of police. But it's Tyree Nichols, George Floyd, and Rodney King. I don't doubt that there are instances of police brutality and excessive force out there, thousands of instances. But you want to know what not, they, they, they all come back to? The fact that it's not about race. Okay, black, unarmed white people get shot more than unarmed black people. But the people that are race pimping in this country don't ever mention that. Because you know the old adage, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. Joy Reid is pounding the table when she says this is as American as apple pie. Because if it was, you'd be hearing about it. They don't let racism or anything they can potentially spin as racism go to waste. But here's the reality. We live in a fully integrated society. We're not racist anymore. We're just not. We're done with it. Okay, and part of the reason the George Floyd riots worked to the extent that they did in terms of turnout and enthusiasm is because back then in the spring of 2020, rioting was the only way you were allowed out of your house. I think he's got a point. Okay, think about this. It's June of 2020. Are the churches open? The answer would be no. Are the schools open? The answer would be no. Are the restaurants open? The answer would be no. Can you go shopping at the mall? The answer would be no. Can you go out and riot and loot a Nike store that's closed? Yes, you can. And that was part of it. The pent-up rage of being locked down. Obviously, they were outraged by the horrific video. But most people are smart enough to know that there's nuance to the story. Derek Chauvin absolutely positively shouldn't have been kneeling on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes. Should not have done it. We know that. We all agreed on that. But at the same time, most people also knew that George Floyd wasn't like a hero. George Floyd is a guy who pointed a shotgun to the stomach of a pregnant woman. Guy had fentanyl in his body. 
was a career junkie with a rap sheet three miles long. I'm not saying he deserved to die, but I am saying he shouldn't be elevated to some type of a hero, some type of a heroic martyr to the youth of America. Defying police orders is not a trait we should be teaching the youth of America. And again, I am not telling you Tyree Nichols defied police orders. I'm just telling you there's a really lazy conflation here from the Joy Reeds of the world, from the Ben Crumps of the world, from the Eric Adams of the world, when they try to lump this under racism. Because the reality is every time the cops get called racism nationwide, it makes a lot of good people who know better reluctant to keep doing the job and reluctant to keep applying for the job. Okay? I say this all the time. We don't need diversity mandates when it comes to police work. Okay, what we need is a meritocracy. You want to recruit the best people. You want to pay them the most money. You want to make this a noble profession they can be proud of. Uh, Something we were talking about last night on Gutfeld. When I was a little kid, if you polled my first grade class, half the boys in the class wanted to be a cop. Half the boys in the class wanted to be a fireman. Now if you poll the average first grade class, Half the boys in the class want to be a girl. The other half wants to be a drag queen. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know, but it's a mess right now. And one of the reasons it's a mess is the most vital profession in this world is police work, law and order. And we've got people actively trying to undermine all cops and paint this as racism when, in fact, what this Memphis video proves is that Abuse of power, abuse of authority can be a real issue with people in power. But when you try to spin it into racism, you kind of lose the focus of what needs fixing. Okay, which is the screening process of hiring, you know, applicants to the police academy. Here's a newsflash. There's no police reform bill that keeps that guy alive. Unfortunately, That was an abuse of power. It was already illegal. They are already told not to do that. There's a reason they're being fired. They broke every protocol known to man. This isn't a moment where we watched that video and said, well, geez, everything they did should be made illegal. Everything they did was already illegal. That's the point. Here's Whoopi Goldberg, though. Okay, policing as a whole. Here it is, clip four. When will the brutality finally lead to some police reform from the ground up because clearly it doesn't matter if it's a white policeman or a black policeman it is a problem in the police and the policing itself you don't have a clue she's a dope okay the policing 99.9 percent of it is fantastic but here's a little more whoopee because she says well it's it's i guess we just need to start attacking white people not that i'm saying attack white people she corrects herself but the point she's trying to make is is well taken. Clip five. Do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? I'm not suggesting that. So don't write us and tell me what a you know what a racist I am. I'm just asking: is that is that what people have to see in order to wake up and realize this affects us all? Oh man. I'm surrounded by idiots. Here's the deal, man. Okay, the issue. When it comes to policing right now, we don't need, uh, okay, you can tell me police reform, we're going to pass police reform off the back of this. But the only interest the Democrats have in police reform is getting the credit for passing police reform. It's not saving the lives. It's not changing the tactics. And the reason I know that is because in this June of 2020, 
Tim Scott, South Carolina senator, first black American elected to both houses of Congress, said, I, Tim Scott, have put forth a police reform bill. And the Democrats used the filibuster. You know that thing they tell you is a racist relic of the Jim Crow South? They used the filibuster to filibuster a black man who had proposed police reform. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. Okay, here is Dick Durbin talking about Cory Booker and Tim Scott. They need to work on a police reform bill. Listen to this. It's clip six. I think the police reform package that Senator Booker was working on with Senator Scott, uh, it had many elements in it that are important, uh, banning chokeholds, dealing with uh, no warrant uh, searches, uh, dealing with accreditation of police departments. It's necessary that we do all these things, but not sufficient. Republican Senator Tim Scott, who you mentioned, blamed Democrats for squandering an opportunity to pass those reforms you talked about. Both parties did agree on those in 2021, like banning chokeholds and increased mental health resources. Why not pass what was already agreed upon? Isn't something better than nothing? It's the right starting point. And uh, Senator Booker, chairman of the Crime Subcommittee, uh, has been working on this for years. Uh, I think he and Senator Scott should sit down again quickly uh, to see if we can revive that effort. I mean, did you hear the excuse, though? I mean, well, you know, here's the thing. Here's Tim Scott calling out the hypocrisy because you understand Tim Scott had a bill. But everything Durbin's referring to there, well, we've got to ban chokeholds. We've got to ban no-knock warrants. Okay, great, fine. But understand this. None of those things were involved in what happened in Memphis. Here it is. This is Tim Scott, though, calling out the hypocrisy. Clip 7. Senator Durbin asked... Senator Booker and I to come back to the table and start talking about policing in America. I never left the table, Mr. President. Boom. But it was Senator Durbin who filibustered my Justice Act. I take the issue of policing in America seriously. I want our body to see it not as an issue of Republicans versus Democrats, but as good people standing in the gap, elected to do a job that we all ran to do, let's do our jobs. Can you imagine that? But that would require the people to come first ahead of the politics, something that no one out there telling you about racism and equality and the police and everything in between Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to head up to Waterbury, Connecticut quick. Check in with my man Cliff. Yo, Cliff. Jimmy, what's up, my man? You name my it. My white brother. How's it going, man? <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, but listen. Let me give you this. Yep. Whippy was kind of right, okay? And let me say this. And let me give you the reason why. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what we've seen throughout the black community, and then, you know, and then challenge me from wrong, we've seen the misconduct perpetuated towards black people and the aggressiveness coming from white police officers. So we've seen footage, we've seen videos, all that, right? Mm -hmm. So the point that she was making, which I agree, is can you relate or or go to a video or any type of footage, media coverage Mm -hmm. at all, 
where black police officers have violated the rights of white suspects, white criminals. Yeah, so here's the thing. If you were to look at the data, okay, unarmed white men get killed, get shot, get beaten by cops a lot more than anybody else. Not even as a percentage of population. No, no, by any cops. The, the no, reason, by the, white cops. No, no, this is the, this is the thing now, and I'm, I'm not going to – I'm going to give you back your point. I, I don't mean to cut you off. The reason okay. you hear about it when it's a black victim is because alleging racism is good for ratings, it's good for politics, it's good for all of these race pimps that fan the flames of division. If this was really about protecting the black community, which it should be, you have to be talking not about, I mean, absolutely about an instance where police, you know, wielded their authority improperly against a black uh, person, but you also have to have that other conversation about black on black crime. The number one killer of black men in America is black. Black men, and we're yelling and screaming about cops. We have one police death this year we can point to, but we have five thousand black deaths that we're going to ignore. So that's where I right, think so Jimmy, it's disingenuous. Go ahead, you got thirty. Okay. It's all yours, Cliff. You're the man. All right. So what I'm saying is that there's no racism in black on black crime, is there? I don't think so. Such as there's no racism where these five black police officers victimized that black individual. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no racism. The same as if white police officers, to your point, statistically, if they shoot or kill a white suspect, there's we'll, no racism. We'll come back so with more stats. Good call. I'm just losing you to a commercial. I love you, Cliff. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Getting ready for a big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. And we're bringing in some big-name talent, Anna Paulina Luna, superstar representative of the 13th Congressional District of Florida, first Mexican-American woman elected to the House of Representatives in the state of Florida, or any office in Congress for that matter. And uh, she is, uh, I got to tell you, if you've been following her in the multimedia she is a new breed of conservatism, okay? She is a uh, a Latina woman who is not defined by the fact that she's woman or Latina, meaning not fitting into the boxes. She is pro-life, uh, which is a big no-no on the left. She is, uh, as you'd imagine, pro-freedom. She is not using terms like Latinx, and she's not pretending that there are no biological differences between boys and girls. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. But the people on the left don't agree with Mr. Rogers. They're crazy. They really are. They want you to believe, no, this is, you know, forget the science, forget biology. Forget what Mr. Rogers was singing 40 years ago that the kids of America were nodding along to. And I bring all of this up because in her home state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who's the governor, passed the Parental Rights and Education Act. It did what? It banned schools from teaching sexual education to kids between the ages of kindergarten and third grade something parents wholeheartedly agreed with in both parties. Why? Because anybody who wants to talk to your kindergartner about sex shouldn't be anywhere near a kindergartner. Correct the mundo. Parents know this. But the Democrats are very much pushing 
gender ideology, sex ed, because they are recruiting. They are recruiting. They are absolutely trying to enlist kids in this cultural cultural battle, this culture war battle over trans rights because, number one, it becomes a leverageable political asset for them because it's a new grievance they can exploit. It's a new civil rights frontier they can purport to care about by calling everybody else transphobic or hateful or anything in between. Two is they're always in cahoots with the big pharmaceutical companies, and here's a newsflash for you. Okay, if you get a little five, six, seven-year-old kid, 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid to consent to a gender transition surgery, you now have a client for life. He knows what he's talking about. A surgical client, a pharmaceutical client, a drug client. You know, you understand they are preying on these kids. That's not right. Now, Ron DeSantis never said... You can't be trans. You can't grow up to do these things. But the Democrats tried to do what? They tried to pass off his bill as a ban on gay people. He said, well, it's a don't say gay bill. Ron DeSantis is he's banning gay people is what he's doing. And that just wasn't the truth. Okay, Florida has the third biggest gay population in America. They're not moving there because they're under attack. Okay, but understand, the culture warriors, they even enlisted Disney. Do you remember this? Disney got involved, took the fight to DeSantis. He took away their special tax privileges because Disney weaponized a false narrative. So uh, I guess we have some issues. (laughs) Think about that. Disney employees were like, don't say gay. You can't ban gay people. He wasn't banning gay people. It was a mischaracterization of a bill that aimed to protect children from being sexualized, from being taught gender identity politics at an age when they were still evolving as children. I've raised a child. Okay, I can tell you when a kid is five or six or seven or eight, they're developing. Okay, their favorite song changes, favorite food changes, favorite toy changes, favorite show changes, everything changes. Okay, because they're developing. This idea that a kid that is in a rapid point of developing should be introduced to some type of gender conflict that comes with a permanent surgical resolution is barbaric. It is reckless. But they're not operating with your kids in mind. And I bring this up because when DeSantis rightfully got in the way of all of this gender ideology, you know, dumped upon children, They tried to slander him and take him down by just oversimplifying it and saying he was banning gay people. DeSantis never mentioned the word gay once in his bill, but the Democrats still went out and said it was called a don't say gay bill. Now, I bring this up because DeSantis last week, if you remember, announced that he was banning an AP African studies course, not because it studied African history, but because it focused on queer theory and gender intersectionality, which, again, is not a real biological thing. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Imagine that. The Democrats are like, Mr. Rogers, who? Get him out of here. No way. You can't say that. But the point is, in passing the bill that he did, 
DeSantis just trying to protect children. It didn't ban gay people. Didn't say go attack trans people. That's what the Democrats spin it as. It's the problem in our politics right now. As Republicans do something, Democrats characterize it as something else. So here is Mehdi Hassan on MSNBC. And essentially, he is reacting to the DeSantis ban on queer theory and African studies, which has nothing to do with African studies. He's not banning the teaching of slavery. He's not banning the teaching of the civil rights movement. He's certainly not banning black people. But here is Mehdi Hassan with a straight face saying DeSantis is trying to pass a don't say black bill down in Florida. That was embarrassing. Not by their standards. This is just par for the course. But here it is, clip 18. Now he's graduated from whitewashing black history to simply erasing it. DeSantis has blocked a new AP course on African-American history from being taught in Florida schools, saying it violates state laws and is, quote, historically inaccurate. Under DeSantis, Florida's gone from don't say gay to don't say black. But Democrats and educators are fighting back. DeSantis is facing a wave of backlash from labor unions, academic associations, and even threats of a lawsuit from civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump. Oh. Who would have thought that trying to erase black history would cause such a backlash? You're the lowest form of life on earth. Seriously, dude. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No, he's not trying to erase black history. Folks, there is not a country, excuse me, it's not a state, it's not a county, it's not a school district that isn't teaching slavery. You know what else? They're they're also, they're all teaching slavery. They're all teaching the civil rights movement. They're all teaching the civil war. Okay, you know what they're not teaching hard enough? That the Democrats were the party that opposed (laughs) the civil rights movement. The Democrats were the party that opposed the abolition of slavery. If we were going to get technical about what's being taught in the classroom, yeah, we should probably be teaching a more accurate version of black history. And we should throw in the fact that most of their progress was being denied by Democrats until they begrudgingly accepted the progress and flipped the game board upside down and said, no, no, it's the Republicans are the bad guys. You don't understand. They're racist. Um, No, they're bad. Forget us. Hold on. Let me take my white robe off. Forget us. They're the bad guys over there. I mean, that's what the Democrats did. They just flipped it over. They were like, well, this is a now a valuable voting constituency. Why are we fighting this thing anymore? Why don't we try to weaponize it and bring them to our side of the table? But you understand they do it with straw man arguments. The reason Democrats are losing so much support in the black community, the reason they're losing so much support in the Latino community is because they're not catering to these communities as people. They're catering to them as a monolith. They're saying, well, you know, no, 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 no. You just you vote Democrat. That's how the game works. You vote Democrat. It's part of your brand. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. That's what they go with. And it's fake racial grievance. That's always the sell. Ron DeSantis is not banning black people in Florida. Would you shut up? It's not banning African-American studies in Florida. Seriously, shut up. Have some self-respect. But they do this and the attacks get more desperate by the day. Because what happened was the Democrats, they had this really they had a monopoly on on substantive debates around the issues of racism. But they called so many things racist that the cat eventually got out of the bed and saying something was racist wasn't enough to shut it down anymore. There was a time there was a sweet spot of like four or five years where saying something was racism was enough for everyone to accept it as well. Then it must be. I don't want to be associated with that. I guess I'll just vote Democrat. But now they've played the card so recklessly, so desperately so many times that no one really listens anymore. 
So here's many his son with a straight face, okay, trying to tell you Ron DeSantis is banning black people. You can't say black and activist groups and Benjamin Crump is trying to get involved. Benjamin Crump, who the only thing he can say is, please give us money. Oh, he's getting involved. Clearly, this must be on the up and up. Shut up, fool. I mean, come on. But this is why our politics are in the position that we are. Okay, it's the politics of racial grievance, but they're invented grievances now. And that's the problem. That's why we can't have nice things. Just trying to have like an honest conversation. If you are teaching gender queer theory, okay, that has nothing to do with African American history. Intersectionality, nothing to do with African American history. You finish a class like that, you know what you say to the professor? Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Ron DeSantis, your Florida governor, catching holy hell. From the woke left. Everything woke turns to But it's funny we mentioned Trump there because another person Ron DeSantis is catching a little flack from is Donald Trump. Trump, in flying over the weekend up to New Hampshire to launch his campaign, where he'd already launched it, but to do his first public event, you know, Trump claimed that DeSantis was disloyal. You know, if you're going to run against Trump, Trump's the guy who made him governor. And to be very clear, Trump did get DeSantis over the top the first time around. Uh, DeSantis obviously didn't need him the second time around because he was just immensely popular and he was a sitting governor. Uh, that does not discount Donald Trump's contribution the first time around. That being said, Trump uh, again mentioning DeSantis by name, DeSantis again being asked to respond. Here is DeSantis's response to Trump calling him disloyal. I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. you got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to Ooh. say, you know, in my case, Not only did we win re-election, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. I got to be honest. We played you that clip. I hadn't heard it yet because it's fresh sound like we just cut it a second ago. So he didn't mention Trump by name, which is, you know, that's kind of the DeSantis thing. You don't want to mention the guy because it gives the story more oxygen. Now it's, you know, he's in a a standoff with Trump at a time when he isn't even yet running for the White House. But he did just take a shot at Trump big time because he said, well, you know, we're all going to react to COVID as leaders and then the people are going to decide whether or not we did a good job based on whether or not they elected us. Ouch! Because what he's saying is Trump didn't get reelected, but he did. This guy will say anything. Well, he's not wrong, though. It's the one thing. Um, The Trump surrogates that are already making the rounds of the media are trying to hit DeSantis on his COVID response. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Ron DeSantis was actually widely regarded 
as the one leader who had the balls. I don't even know if I can do that on the radio. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I mean, I just said it. I mean, You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. But the point is, Ron DeSantis flew right into the storm, said no mandates, said we're not shutting down schools, we're not forcing masks on the kids, we're not crushing our economy. Ron DeSantis is widely regarded as showing the most leadership in the face of nationwide social pressure campaigns to just get in line and do what, you know, the patron saint of COVID, Dr. Fauci, was saying we should do. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. DeSantis knew that. One of the reasons more people are moving to Florida than any other state in the country is because DeSantis prioritized something that we founded our country on, which is freedom! So I'm not telling you there aren't attacks Trump could lob at DeSantis, but the idea that they're going in on COVID, I think, is a dumb idea because DeSantis did a better job with COVID than anybody in that he preserved his economy, he preserved your individual freedoms. And luckily, or maybe even scientifically, whatever the case may be, his COVID rates are as good or better than every single one of the states that locked down. So you understand, locking down came with its own offshoot of side effects. People had to postpone elective surgeries. Things got worse. People who were denied the dignity of work or the normalization of going to school every day, suffered mental health consequences. We saw higher rates of alcohol abuse, substance abuse, and sadly, domestic abuse because of COVID lockdowns. Okay, the teenage suicide rates spiked by over 300% for kids between the ages of 13 and 18 because they were denied a lot of the benchmarks of being a teenage kid, which is going to school, going to dances, playing ball, getting to graduate, being a social creature. Okay, we denied all of that normalization in states not named Florida. Okay, where I live in New York, we had the most draconian lockdowns known to man thanks to our dirtbag governor, Hansi Andy Cuomo. Andy! Andy! And if you remember, before he got me too'd out of town, okay, they gave the guy an Emmy for saying he was doing a great job as he was getting people killed in nursing homes. Here was Joe Biden calling Cuomo the gold standard. And the answer is, I, I, I don't fully know. We've been leaving it to the governors. Thank God the governors have been moving. Your governor in New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. <laughs> Biden sucks. Called your governor. Your governor in New York, he's kind of the gold standard. <laughs> really? Interesting. The governor who signed an executive order forcing nursing homes to take on infected COVID patients. So the most vulnerable members of society would be forced to live amongst infected COVID patients. Okay, it was elder side. It got people killed. The media covered it up in a run-up to the election. They were building Cuomo up as a means of tearing down Trump. They wanted to draw that contrast every day. Why can't Trump be more like Cuomo? Cuomo's doing a good job. No, you got to do what Cuomo's doing. Cuomo was getting people killed. And in the process of getting them killed, he was writing a self-congratulatory book about how he handled the pandemic. That's just how white folks will do you. Really crazy. But the point is, Ron DeSantis was the one port in the storm of sanity or insanity in this instance and actually stood up for his people and demonstrated real leadership. I mean, one of the reasons Trump didn't get reelected is because he listened to Fauci. Real leadership is not reading the room and going, oh, everybody's going to be mad at me if I don't follow Fauci's orders. Real leadership is saying, I'm in charge. Shut up, you little elf. I'm going to do my own thing. 
So when it comes to this battle, Trump versus DeSantis on COVID, DeSantis wins that head and shoulders going away. There's not even a comparison. That being said, there's a lot more battles to fight. And this Trump-DeSantis thing, it's going to get settled the old-fashioned way. It's going to be a brawl before it's over. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. And folks, if you watch me on TV, I'm on the Fox News channel about, you know, three, four times a day. You look at my wardrobe and you go, wow, this guy's pretty bad with money. Who, who did he pay for that shirt? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, I'm wearing some bad stuff. Like, I'm wanted in nine states by the fashion police. But there is nobody worse than with money than the people in Washington, D.C. And nobody knows that better than our next guest, who is a superstar representative from the great state of Florida, a freshman congresswoman from the great state of Florida. We're talking about Representative Anna Paulina Luna. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back on, and I can't agree with you more. <laughs> I just I wanted to ask you this. Isn't it so crazy, like, in just the, the minimum amount of time you've been there? Because I've seen you doing your TV hits, too, and thankfully you have a much better stylist than me. So maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should exchange information off the air. But the point is, uh, are they, is anyone even paying attention to the debt or to the expenditures or anything in between? Um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about it, but the craziest thing for me to hear as a first-time congressman and, and also to representative is people coming up here talking about spending money the way that they would probably never spend their own personal savings accounts. And so from my perspective, one of the things that I ran on and one of the things that I genuinely believe in is that, you know, my generation, I am one of the younger members of Congress. You know, our kids' generations, people's grandchildren are going to be absorbing the cost and really the debt that we decide when we're putting some of this legislation through. And so I've been on the same idea that we shouldn't be raising the debt ceiling. And, and if we are, there needs to be some serious negotiations in that process. Obviously, we're already starting to see, you know, the left. They're starting to say, oh, we're going to tax Social Security and Medicare, and we're not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we do have to rein in the spending. And frankly, I think that that also involves what we're doing with spending money and sending money to Ukraine. I was just going to ask you that, because what we see right now out of Ukraine is it very much feels like a blank check. And no one has established, like, what victory would look like, like what the off-ramp is. The only thing we ever get is, like, shut up and, you know, send the check. But is anyone articulating to you, like, what the end game is here? Yeah, so I actually saw an interview that uh, Speaker McCarthy just did with Don Jr., and he said, no more blank checks for Ukraine, and I'm absolutely for that. You know, there is an accountability problem that we have. First of all, where is this money going to, one? And secondly, you know, we are literally seeing some of the highest inflation we've ever seen, at least in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that, in addition to the fact that they are now saying that they need more money, I mean, I want to remind everyone, Ukraine decided not to join NATO. Yeah. And meanwhile, while this is happening, Ukraine, while we're basically absorbing their price tag here, um, you have Russia aligning with Iran and China. And so from my perspective, this is very much possibly going to potentially pull us into a World War III scenario. I think uh, at the time, President Trump has addressed this, and I am very concerned about that. And so, one, I don't believe that we need to be helping out countries that can't help themselves. But more importantly, remember, they are not a NATO ally of ours, and I'm more focused on helping the American people, not Ukrainians. Imagine that. We're talking to Representative Anna Paulina Luna from the 13th District of Florida. Now, you know things in D.C. Is it true, though, that Biden sent Ukraine tanks, but he accidentally left the instruction manuals in his garage? 
<laughs> well played. Um, you know, unfortunately, we have sent tanks, and I actually I did a posting about this, and a lot of people agreed we should not be sending tanks to Ukraine. But, you know, going into what's happening right now with Biden and, and also, to being a member of the House Oversight Committee, I'm actually, after I get off this call and go to votes, I'll be sitting in with the um, – the National Archives, and they've agreed to sit down for a transcribed interview. And I just want to remind the American people again, you know, Biden and the way that he's being treated versus how President Trump was treated, there is a two-tier justice system in this country. And I would be lying to the American people if I told you that we have to fix that now, because if we don't, if we don't have the justice system, if Congress can't do our job and actually correct this, then, you know, we've really lost this country. And so you're going to see a lot coming out from House Oversight. Wow, that's fascinating stuff. I think people like to hear that, too, because we were just getting reports that uh, the DOJ did go to the Penn Biden Center uh, and that Biden was alerted to this. There was no search warrant, which, again, is in such a stark contrast to Mar-a-Lago with guns blazing mm-hmm. and TV cameras and everything else. And the leaks, you know, the yeah, DOJ I'll, leaked information. Yeah, but not only did they leak it, though, like they carefully fanned it out on the floor like it was getting glamour shots. It was like, <laughs> yeah, they did. I know. And I'm just like, this, but this is the one thing I come back to with Biden is, is I agree with you that we're looking at some two tiered thing. But I think one of the reasons that there's not a lot of interest in this story now from a lot of like liberal media outlets and the reason a lot of people are down on Biden is because they've put the DOJ in almost an impossible situation in that if they were to go ahead and try to charge Trump, there's no way they could do that if they weren't charging Biden because Trump had Secret Service protection and other and, and the power to declassify as president. Biden just had a pint of motor oil on the floor next to some documents next to a Corvette. So do you think on some level the DOJ has boxed themselves in? on this i do but i'm also going to go ahead and say that i've seen enough you know corruption and just gross behavior in washington to understand that it's very likely that they knew about these documents i mean think about how long it took for biden to actually compile these documents they knew about this for a while and i don't think that biden has the support of a majority of the democrat party because he is not quote-unquote progressive enough and so it's very likely that this information came out at a very strategic time not not just in an effort to prevent him from running again in 2024 but you know my whole goal and objective i just i don't want people to think that oversight is a partisan thing it's not it holds our country accountable and i want to remind the american people that it's very likely that our country from a national security perspective was exposed because of the fact that Joe Biden had his son, Hunter Biden, who we all know is probably, um, you know, the victim of a honeypot operation from the Communist Chinese Party, mm-hmm. was open to and working with the Communist Chinese government at the time that these documents were being held at that location. It's really fascinating stuff, yeah. you know, and that's the part of this that I think a lot of people are kind of, you know, it's like people are lazy. You know, I know why most of the media doesn't want to cover this, because obviously the implications are bad for the Democratic Party. But if you have a guy who's confessed to being an addict and again there, but for the grace of God, go I I don't want to, you know, you know, begrudge him that. But the point is, if you're an addict, you'll do anything to get money. And if you're sitting on actual classified documents in your dad's house and his garage, knowing he's been willing to sell influence in our government in the past, it just seems like an obvious connection to me. So do you think on the other side there's like a willful ignorance? Do you think they don't care? Like what would you actually attribute it to? Well, you know, um, I actually had my father. He struggled with addiction, and I've had many families that have struggled yeah, with addiction. Yeah, it's hard. So just removing that from the, you know, scenario, mm-hmm. Breitbart actually reported, I think it was last week, the connections that many high-ranking levels of the CCP tied to Chinese intelligence had as CEOs 
with the Biden family and how much money it was over, I believe, $100 million that was actually um, distributed to that family. And so when you're talking about ethics, when you're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, the job, what we do, we represent the people. Mm -hmm. We don't represent foreign interests and we don't sell the office. Mm -hmm. You know, China has its way of I think it's number one ways of infiltrating the U.S. is through art sales. Well, isn't it interesting that Hunter Biden is now an artist and he sells yeah. his, um, you know, his paintings and, and does shows at the White House. So that's an accountability mechanism. Obviously, though, my main concern is were there national security leaks? Did it compromise our government? And how does this affect us in regards to the bigger threat that we have, which is the Communist Chinese Party potentially looking at waging war with the United States? And that's something that I don't say proudly, but it's a very scary thing. And we need to start thinking about that, considering it seriously. It, it is freaky stuff. Um, really quick then, does that mean you will not be posting on TikTok tonight? So I actually co-sponsored a bill to ban TikTok. I removed it altogether from my social media, and I highly suggest that if you are a parent, if you're a grandparent, have your children move, remove that off their phones. It is absolutely a mechanism, an intelligence-gathering operation from the Communist Chinese Party, and they do use it to brainwash our youth, and so we need to ban it altogether. I'm telling you, you really do it all in a radio interview. You just save the parents of America. <laughs> We've got oversight on the president. There were some fashion tips. Take a bow. Uh, I do love talking to you. If nothing else, it's always productive. Thank you so much, and I hope to ha be back on soon. God bless. Uh, we'll do it. You're the best. There she goes, the great representative Anna Paulina Luna from the great state of Florida. She says, get TikTok off your phone, folks. TikTok, you have to understand, this is a thing, okay? It is run, it is operated by the Chinese Communist Party. They're using it to poison the youth of America. There's cute stuff on there. Oh, look, there's a dog on a skateboard. Oh, look, this guy dressed as, this guy's got his cat in a costume, so it only looks like it has two legs, and the cat is it's dressed up as Chewbacca. Oh, it's great, honey. Look at this. These guys are lip-syncing. Look at these... Look at this two dudes roller skating. It's amazing. They're breakdancing to the music. This is great. Oh, yeah, TikTok. Woo. But you understand, you get on TikTok for all of that mindless entertainment. Number one, the Chinese Communist Party is just using it to mine the data of the youth of America, of the adults of America, to be clear, anyone using the app. I don't think it's specific to any one generation. But two, they're also pushing a lot of propaganda on there. If you understand, like if you've seen the, the account Libs of TikTok, Libs of TikTok is actually a Twitter account. It's not a TikTok account. It is a Twitter account where a woman is chronicling the exploits of the um, gender activists on TikTok. The people who are on there every day telling you there are no biological differences between men and women. It's totally false. You know, the people that are on there every day telling you America is systemically racist. It's a hellhole. You're oppressed. You're never going to make it here. These are messages being piped into the youth of America. Okay, on behalf, at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party, a country where... Human rights are kind of like a like a running joke. I mean, China, everything we protest in this country, like, oh, slavery, slavery is awful. But no country did more to eradicate it and level the playing field than we did. China, to this day, deploys slave labor. And the Hubei pro province of China, you know, the Uyghurs are, are being forced into slave labor, in some instances, child labor. OK, China's OK with this. So you understand, like, they're the biggest human rights abusers on the planet. They are using this app to spy on us, but to also get the youth of America to not like their own country.
So when people like Anna Polina Luna are saying we got to ban TikTok, it's a twofold thing. One, we don't really want to get spied on if we can avoid doing so. And two, we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon broadcasting live from New York City. I'll be on your TV tonight with Kennedy on the Fox Business Network. Uh, also scheduled to be on with Laura Ingram in the 10 p.m. hour. We're still working that out, breaking news. You know how that stuff works. Uh, but at the end of the week, I'm heading back out on the road. I've been home for a month. Uh, I am heading out to Carson City, Nevada this weekend. I will be at the Carson Nugget Saturday night, February the 4th. The first two shows sold out, so we added a third show. So you can come hang out with your radio buddy. If you want to go see me in Carson, it is ccnugget.com. Uh, February 17th and 18th, we're going up to the Fat Cats Comedy Club in Utica, New York, broadcasting on the legendary WYBX while we're up there. Uh, that is Friday the 17th, Saturday the 18th. Uh, we added a third show on Saturday night as well because the first four shows that weekend sold out. So there's no Friday tickets, but there is now a 6 p.m. early show on Saturday. If you're up in Utica, you want a piece of that action Go to FatCatsComedyClub.com and get some tickets. March the 3rd. These are the gigs we promoted last night on Gutfeld. I will be at the Federal Way Performing Arts and Events Center. That is in Federal Way, Washington. Friday night, March the 3rd. Saturday night, March the 4th. I will be at the Crest Theater in Sacramento, California. Hey, girl. Uh, April the 7th, uh, we're going to be out in Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater, April 7th. And then April 8th, we're going to be at the Egyptian Theater down in Boise, Idaho. And, of course, April 21st and 22nd, we are back here in the East Coast. We're going to be at Bananas in Bergen, New Jersey. That's Friday night, April 21st, Saturday night, April 22nd. We're going to be adding more dates after that, some of which are actively in the works with some of our affiliate partners out on the West Coast. Could even be doing something else in the great state of California around August the 5th. Uh, but that date uh, will be announced uh at the, you know, in accordance with the station that's putting it together and sponsoring it. So I have to coordinate that before I tell you too much. But we have a lot of dates coming up uh, over the summer where I'm going to get on the road and try to meet you guys, uh, as many of you as I can, uh, as many of you who are willing to show up and be a part of this thing. Because I will tell you, uh, especially right now when the news cycle is like really awful. You know, we had this terrible police video down in Memphis and all this crazy classified document stuff going on and Democrats in Washington are trying to leverage this COVID pandemic all the way to May with, listen, no regard for you or your freedom or the medical basis for extending this pandemic to May. This is the pandemic's over. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying you shouldn't take COVID seriously. But the idea that we have to give Washington, D.C. all of our freedoms, you know, for another four months just because they got used to having them around, that's not how governance is supposed to work. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. But the point is, with all of this crazy stuff going on, uh, the fact that our crowd, the people who frequent this show, are as cool as they are. Like, I take, yo, I take so much pride in that. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's like, you know, once in a while I get to bring Jenny and Lincoln even this weekend, Lincoln wants to come out to Carson. He's like, can I come to Carson? The answer would be no. No, shut up. You're not coming to the casino with your dad. But the point is, uh, every time I come back from one of these gigs, or if, in fact, it's one of those where I get to bring Jenny and Lincoln, 
we always talk about, like, how who'd you meet? Who was? And everybody's really cool. Like, the folks who frequent this show, like, I'm really, like, I take a lot of pride in knowing that that's the kind of thing we've cultivated are the reasonable fun people. Yeah, you know, a lot of you guys like beer a little too much. I'm not going to lie. Like, wow, we have met some beer enthusiasts out there. But the one thing you all like more than anything else is the country. And, you know, that for me, I really appreciate. You know, I think it's amazing. And the fact that you're all level-headed. You're not militant. You're not angry. You're fun. People make fun of my jackets. You know, give me a hard time about stuff I say on TV and the radio. A lot of you speak to me in drops. Like I'll be talking to somebody and somebody else will like elbow me in the ribs and be like, he's a lousy dad, but he's right. And you just die laughing. You're like, oh, you listen to the show. You get it. Okay, what we're doing is special. And the reason it's growing at the rate it's growing is because there are a lot of cool people like yourself who get it, who attract other cool people. You know, this is like a radio Ponzi scheme. Except we're not ripping anybody off out of their life savings. We're actually just paying everybody in fun. And it's kind of working. So if you have time, you want to go to one of these theater gigs, you want to go to one of these stand-up gigs, come hang out. It's just funny. Okay? It's the same night for me either way. I'm going to tell jokes. We're going to have a great time. People are going to buy me way too much whiskey. But it might be a very unique experience for you that's worth dabbling in. So give it some thought. Uh, and the one thing I can promise you is everyone in the world is welcome uh, except – Except probably Adam Schiff. Okay, we're going to do a gig in California. Here's Adam Schiff, right? He gets thrown off the Intel Committee. He goes on CNN to whine. CNN is the worst. They really are because they give a platform to these people who are rightfully thrown off the Intel Committee. Adam Schiff lied to the American public about collusion, about tampering with witnesses in the impeachment Okay, here he is getting called out on it, and it's just laugh out loud funny to me. It's clip 25. Let me give you another. He says that um, this is part of the uh, of a pattern ahead of the first Trump impeachment. You said the committee had not spoken to a whistleblower. In fact, that turned out not to be true. You know, the Washington Post uh, <laughs> said so in their, in their fact check. Uh, the Washington Post uh, uh, identified that, yes, before the person became a whistleblower, they sought advice from the committee. <laughs> Uh, when I was asked the question, I thought they were referring to whether we had brought the whistleblower in. Uh, and I should have been more clear in my answer. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you listen, you know you're in a bad spot when CNN is saying that you happen to be full of Okay, and that's just another effort by them to rehabilitate their image. And be like, no, you don't understand. We're on the up and up here at CNN. People aren't buying at CNN, you dumb bastards. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, there he is. There's our guy. Back in action for a big hour of Fox Across America. With your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're also going to be joined by my main man, Brian Brenberg. He is the host of The Big Money Show. On the Fox Business Network, and he is going to be joining us to give Joe Biden a grade on inflation. You gotta do better than that. White House bragging that, you know, food prices didn't go up as high in the last month, but they're still 10% higher than they were a year ago. This could be a problem. It's so crazy to me, but we're going to... You know, we're going to kind of dive into this in this hour, okay? If you want to be a part of it, 888-788-9910. America, the shining city on the hill, okay? Our motto was never supposed to be, 
you should see the other guy. You know, every time this White House gets asked, well, you know, the economists are predicting a recession. You know, inflation's at a 40 year high. What do they say? Well, it's, it's bad in the other countries. You see how bad it is in the other countries. Yo, that's not the deal here. Okay, we are in America. We're holding ourselves to what's supposed to be the highest standard there is in the world. But we are sadly in a state of decline right now. And it's not because we don't have championship talent. It's not because we don't have a championship system. It's because we have people running this country who have no idea what they're doing. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. So it's always fascinating to me when we have an, uh, someone who's a real economist come by and do like a line-by-line breakdown of what they're doing in the White House. Because when you speak in facts, you realize none of the policies they're pushing, none of the things they're weaponizing, like the green energy agenda, none of these things are helping you as an American taxpaying citizen. Okay, it might be helping some pie-in-the-sky, long-range, we're going to go green and save the world. Not even close! Folks, I want you to understand this, okay? This is just real, real honest conversation between the radio guy and his radio buddy. Wherever you are today, are you at work, are you commuting, you're an over-the-road trucker, all my maniac buddies who call into this show. Wherever you happen to be, are you delivering packages for FedEx or UPS or DHL? I don't know what you do. It could be a doctor, a medical practitioner. You know, it could be a cop driving from call to call. Whatever you happen to do, it doesn't matter. Okay, for all I know, um, some of you are actually, right, it's 208. and t- Yeah, some of you are actually strippers headed to work in Tampa. Hubba, hubba. Okay, no question. Okay, I know who listens to the show. I've met all of you people. Okay, wonderful people. Proud to have you as my audience. But here's some real talk from me to you, wherever you happen to be consuming this. Okay, you could be on the other side of the world. Like, we get a lot of those folks, too. And that's awesome. Really amazing to know that we have the reach that we do. It is. It's, it's humbling. But one of the things I pride myself in is just being honest with you. Okay, when it comes to the environment, okay, the cleanest, safest, most cost-effective form of energy we have is actually nuclear and none of these climate yahoos that are trying to save the government will prioritize, consider, or give any deference whatsoever to nuclear. I think he's got a point. Okay, it's, a, it's an honest point. They don't care. Okay, why? Because they don't have the money coming to them when it comes to nuclear. Because they can't go out and wage war on the fossil fuel industry and give themselves the moral superiority that comes with saying, we've got to ban fossil fuels. No more gas cars. Okay, number one. Okay, they're not exploring the safest and most effective form of power we have, which is nuclear. That's number one. Number two, every single one of these climate change initiatives is selling us out economically to China, who, oh, by the way, happens to be the biggest polluter in the world by a margin of about five. Okay, China and India, when it comes to population, are one and two in the world. Okay, we're three. Okay, China has about 1.4 billion people living in it. Massive. India has about 1.3 billion people living in it. Okay, between the two of them, just so we're on the same page. Okay, you're talking about 2.7 billion people. 2.7. Do you know how many people we have in America? About 330 million. Okay, those two countries are literally nine times the size 
of our country. Think about that. Nine times the size of our country, okay, which means when it comes to pollution, okay, their carbon footprint, their contribution to the waters, to the air, to everything else is at a minimum nine times the size of ours. Now, in truth, it's actually about 15 times the size of ours when you consider the emissions because they're not doing anything, not even pretending, not even as a joke, are they even acknowledging this issue of climate change. So what I'm trying to say to you is for all of the decimation of our domestic energy production, for all of the jobs lost when we killed things like the Keystone Pipeline, when it comes to the actual issue of climate change, if it really is the emergency they want us to believe it is, and they don't believe it, but if they really, if it's really that big of an emergency, okay, if someone causing nine times the pollution of us is not doing anything to address the problem, we are, for all intents and purposes, literally, you know the analogy of bringing a cup of water to a forest fire? We are bringing a cup of of locally sourced organic artisanal water to a forest fire. And the impact we're having on our own economy is profound. The impact we're having on fundraising is phenomenal for the Democrats. Please give us money. But as far as the impact it's having in reversing the effects of climate on the environment, (laughs) zero. I'm telling you this honestly. I want you to just listen to me. Listen to me, okay? Just look at it like a fire, okay? We are dumping about, I don't know, a bottle of Gatorade on a fire, okay? They're dumping nine times as much gasoline as we are Gatorade. Or water. Let's say fire. I gave you a weird analogy, okay? I'm telling you. I'm a a mess today. It's been a long day. Have you ever had a checkup? I have had a checkup. I'm fine, but I've been on my first – I've been up – whatever time it is right now, I've been up about 13 hours, and I'm about eight hours away from my last TV hit of the day. I keep crazy hours, but it's fun. I mean, you know, you can't talk to Jimmy Fallon, the cab driver, and tell him Jimmy Fallon, the multimedia TV radio guy, is having a hard day. You know what I mean? If I owned a time machine, I could not call with a straight face like a 2008 me. I'd be like, dude, I know you're getting uh, cut off and shot at. Some guy's swinging a sword at you. Some time traveler says you entered the wrong coordinates. But listen, bro, I got to do five minutes of TV later and get some makeup and talk to some starlet about pop culture. Uh, Could you say a prayer for me, bro? There's no way I could ever feel sorry for myself. I have real perspective. And I try to share that perspective with you day in and day out. Okay, but let me give you a real analogy. Okay, there's two things happening to the fire right now. The United States of America is dumping water on it. The rest of the world is dumping nine times as much gasoline. Is the fire going to go out anytime soon under this business model? The answer would be no. Is the fire ever going to go out ever under this business model? The answer would be no. Now, obviously, the people like Al Gore and John Kerry have to know that. There's only so much of an impact we can have on the world. We all share the planet. So you might ask yourself, well, hey, whoa, why the hell are they even exploring something like climate change, knowing we could never have the impact on the on the world that we're hoping to anyway? And, you know, the answer is always money, 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 money. They're getting so rich off of this. So rich. Al Gore has made close to a billion dollars off climate change. OK, and the only thing higher than that you know, billion dollars he's raked in is his monthly electric bill. This guy is not cutting emissions. 
This guy has a 30,000-square-foot Tennessee mansion. Yo, that's bigger than your shopping mall. Wherever you you live right now, your local shopping mall happens to be. Al Gore is a shopping mall for a home. Okay? It's got a, a Bloomingdale's. It's got a Macy's. It's got a Nordstrom. And it's got about 30 stores. It's got a Hot Topic. It's a mall. It's got an Old Navy. It's got a Gap. Maybe a Newberry Comics. A couple of Auntie M pretzels. Oh, this isn't good. And I'm thinking about food again. I Me and food have problems. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> pizzas. All I want to do is eat. But the point is Al Gore has a whole entire shopping mall for a home. The guy telling you that you got to cut consumption. Al Gore, John Kerry, the guys flying the private jets, telling you you got to cut consumption. They know deep down these economic policies. They're selling out our country because they're putting us at a big economic disadvantage. We're decimating our manufacturing base. And oh, by the way, we're demanding an increase in emissions reductions at a time when we have cut emissions every single year since we left the Paris Climate Change Agreement. Why? Because no country on earth is more heavily regulated than we are. That's the joke of this whole thing. Our self-imposed regulations are already stricter than the rest of the world. But when you go out and you say, ah, we're going to prioritize all this climate stuff, go and forward everything, all that means is more regulations. All it means is harder to produce things here. When you can't produce them here, they get produced other places. But here's a newsflash. If our emissions are lower, okay, if our standard of producing things is cleaner, and you take the ability to do it away from our country, you give it to other countries that are going to create even more pollution, even more emissions. So all this green energy stuff is doing is getting the people pushing it rich and the people trying to work for a living in this country poor. That's why when Brian Brenberg comes by, he's an economics professor. He's the host of the Big Money Show. He's going to give a grade to this administration in terms of how they're handling inflation and everything else. And I can promise you, great isn't going to be good. Okay, you've got every economist known to man forecasting a recession by the end of 2023. Hopefully we don't go there. But a lot of people believe we already are there just based on all the indicators and the slow GDP growth and the high cost of goods and the fact that consumer confidence is now low. They thought it would be a boost in January. Consumer confidence was low in January, lower than expected. Why? Because nobody looks around at this administration and goes, wow, no, these guys are on top of it. You know that guy who was telling a story about riding an Amtrak train with a man who actually died eight years before he became vice president? No, no, that guy's on top of it. You know the guy that was talking about his special key so he could ride with the conductors? Let me give you this again. This is Biden. I talked about this on Fox and Friends this morning. Listen to this arbitrary number. Ah, 15% of the time I rode with the engineers. Here it's bananas. It's clip two. Not clip two. Sorry, Josh. I called you the wrong one. It's the other. It's the second Biden clip, but it's not clip two. You don't go anywhere. I can say it now since I know uh, there's different leadership. I used to about uh, 15% of the time ride with the engineers. For real. And I'm the only guy that I'm aware of when I stopped riding Amtrak that had a key to get in the back. Wait, he had a key to get in the back of the of – the, no, he didn't. He's not walking around with a key. When was the last time you saw a conductor walking up and down the train with a key, number one? Number two, 
Okay, the idea they just gave Biden a key. Hey, you like riding with the engineers so much. But what does that have to do with anything? The answer is nothing. This man is just reciting arbitrary tales, sharing arbitrary facts. Like, oh, it's a 15% of the time I rode with the at 15. Who was, like, keeping track of that? That there's this 15% of the time I was riding in the... This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Seriously. Okay, that's a made-up number. But do you know what else is a made-up number? Everything they're throwing at you about climate change, everything they're throwing at you about emissions, about outsourcing domestic energy production. That's why all these predictions about us being in a recession are kind of worthless because technically speaking, because of their economic mismanagement, we're already in one. Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to grown up talk about the economy, about all things America. It's been a really sloppy news cycle these last 48 hours, man. Uh, crime is up in Chicago right now 61%. 61% in the month of January. That can't be good. But that's why we have all these, you know, yesterday I talked about it on America's Newsroom, and a lot of lot of networks, to their credit, are still running the story today of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot out there dancing with the band, with the drum majors for the Lunar New Year. Now, I understand is, you know, just because things are bad in your town doesn't mean you're not allowed to have moments of joy or celebration, so I don't begrudge her the dancing. Uh, but as I was saying to Dana Perino yesterday, the problem is Lori Lightfoot's dance move is the hustle. They keep hustling the public on the fact that they care about what's going on to the people in their city. The only thing politicians really care about, okay, is you voting for them. They care about that. And if they can manipulate you into voting for them without delivering anything whatsoever to improve your quality of life, they will do it. And if you don't believe me, ask the black community who has been voting Democrat for the last 50 years and have almost nothing to show for that progress, for that commitment anyway. And in fact, it was the Democrats who told us when people started rioting in the summer of 2020 
in cities that had been run by Democrats for 50 years, the Democrats said, well, a riot is the language of the unheard. That's a Martin Luther King quote. And yes, it is. But if these people are unheard, isn't it worth pointing out that they're being unheard in cities run exclusively by Democrats? Ah, you have a good eye, my man. What did the Democrats do, though? The response to that was, no, no. It's not our leadership. It's America as a whole. It's a systemically racist. Sure, everything that's going bad is going bad under our watch. But you do have to factor in the other states where this isn't happening because that's part of the problem, too. Wait, what? That is absolutely the most ridiculous excuse I have ever heard in my entire career as a disciplinarian. But that's what they went with. No different than Lori Lightfoot, who's catching this flack as the crime rate soars. Remember, she announced a year ago, from now on, I'm only taking questions from reporters of color. That was a thing. Like, she actually said that to reporters. What? the hell were you thinking? Well, what she was thinking is, I'll make this a racial issue so people don't question my leadership. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, they were only questioning your leadership, not because they were racist towards black people, but because they were concerned that black people are getting killed in record numbers in Chicago, and she wasn't doing a damn thing about it. Democrats are so full of crap. Wow. Let's listen to the band. Just let this one rip right now. They're fired up. I mean, playing on the guest is always exciting. You're on a radio show as big as Fox Across America, but when you get your hands on the intro for Hollywood Brian Brenberg, that's another I, I almost forgot about that. Hollywood Brian Brenberg in the house, co-host of The Big Money Show, right on the Fox Business Network. He comes straight from set to do the show. He is here in the flesh. Hey, girl. Uh, you know, I was uh, looking at some Andre the Giant stuff this week now that you mentioned that. I mean, okay. what a who's told his story? Andre? Yeah, like he's got like one of those stories that ought to be a movie, right? It was like an actual giant was discovered in like the French Alps. Yeah. And somebody was like, we can make some circus money on this. <laughs> but there's like all these twists and turns. Yeah. I, I feel like some of those old wrestlers just need their own. When are they going to get their day? When are they going to get their day? You know who's listening, nodding his head, by the way, up in, in Utica on WIBX. There's a guy who makes the whole station go around. He's like a station ops yeah. guy, my man Davey. Okay. Davey is like the biggest 80s wrestling fan who ever lived and will frequently text me if I make like a wrestling reference on the air. Uh, if we could commission Davey. Check your phone right now. Yes, if we could get Davey out of Peepers, which is the local gentleman's <laughs> establishment, and get him a couple of documentary bucks. I could see Davey on Fox Nation with an 80s wrestling special by sundown. I mean, he can do this. There's like a generation for whom their whole ethical system is based on the good guys and the bad guys <laughs> in 80s wrestling. Is it not? It's, it's never simpler than like Hulk Hogan good, Nikolai Volkov bad. <laughs> the Russian. Iron Sheik not much better. Okay. And, and that, that's it. That was your standard of good and evil. But that taking that simple premise is effective. No, and like, and when you just really needed to break it all down, you brought out Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and it was like, God bless America, mm-hmm. enlist, let's go. From Glens Falls, New York. So you know what it is? Glens Falls is a long drive up to western New York. Yeah. He was showing up with that two-by-four, and he was, he was willing to swing it. That's right. No, he that, had it. That, no. was, that was not for show. Okay? No, no, That was no. not for show. No one understood why he was so hopped up. It's because you never saw the tolls on the throughway. <laughs> you get up to Glens Falls— 
There's an Arby's and a pancake pantry. Great places, but you owe somebody $23 to get off the highway. I'd be swinging a two-by-four, too. We're lucky it's only one piece of wood. You know what I'm saying? This is where the government mismanagement is keeping us down, Bremberg. So we are uh, seven. Uh, we're one week under your belt on the Big Money Show. Yeah. This is technically the second show of the second week. So you're seven full shows in. Uh, I know you're doing a lot of talk about the economy, and that's kind of what we jumped off this hour on, is the fact that we have a lot of economists predicting a recession in late 2023. Yeah. Are we already in one in some sense of the word? Where are we now? Where are we now in the mall when you put your finger on the you are here? Are we by Annie M's pretzels? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we're kind of I, – I, you know, I've said we were in one last year. We had two quarters negative GDP. I think we're kind of in this little upswing that was driven by some sort of technical stuff, and I think we're kind of back on the downswing here. To me, I mean, the thing I'm looking at this year, I'm watching consumer debt. Okay, I mean, you just look at some of these numbers. People are borrowing – to the hilt right now. I mean, they really are, you know, you, prices have gone up and people have been spending. We've seen that, but it's because they're borrowing. I mean, the IOUs are just all over the place. Bad. And, I'm, and I said, and I'm not saying that jokingly. I mean, yeah. it's a real deal, but, but that to me is the issue. And so you, you get into this year, people right now are talking about adjusting their plans. Yeah. You know, they're, they're right now they're saying, okay, what are we gonna do this summer? What are we going to do with groceries? we got a new grocery plan. we got a new summer vacation plan. All that stuff matters as you get into the latter part of the year. And companies yes. are doing the same thing. So they're saying, all right, uh, earnings weren't as good, but you know what we can do to get a boost? We can talk about job cuts. And so you know, every week you're getting this string of layoffs. Yeah. That, to me, doesn't say we're in a recession right at the moment, but it does put the pressure on the latter half of this year. Well, let me ask you this. Talking to Brian Brenberg, co-host of The Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network, 1 p.m. Eastern time every damn day. And, uh, you know, Lincoln once said that, by the way, in kindergarten, we asked Lincoln who he sits next to at school. He actually, (laughs) I'm not kidding, though. He said this. He goes, "I Bethany, every damn day. (laughs) And it was so funny because he must have heard the phrase somewhere. But it wasn't a ringing endorsement of Bethany's. (laughs) You know, not the girl you want in your row, apparently. Every damn day. Bethany, wherever you are out there, I'm sure things have worked out. But uh... <laughs> she's a she's a peach, I'm sure. Um, but let me ask you this: when it comes to that, uh, in terms of people borrowing and everything, how much are the interest rates compounding this for people? Um, because what I'm what I'm seeing, right. especially even like there's a correlation between personal debt and our government's debt. Yep. Is so much of the money we're spending is just in service of the interest. Oh yeah, and and by the end of the decade, it'll be a trillion dollars a year just to for pay interest, for the debt. just to pay interest on the debt. This is yo the mob gives you a better rate than we're getting. No, well, and and, and that's the problem because interest rates are going up. And so when you got the president saying, "I'm not going to negotiate in the debt ceiling," yeah, you know, I mean, I understand what he's doing. He's, he doesn't want to not spend money. He mm. loves a six trillion dollar federal budget. Yeah, he loves love that. that. <laughs> he doesn't want to go back under six trillion. I mean, heaven forbid you spend yeah. less than six trillion Come a year, on. but. That, but that's why I think people got to say you got to negotiate, man. Because yeah. if we're paying a trillion dollars in interest, mm-hmm. that's more than we're going to spend on defense. I think that's a bad time to be spending more in interest in defense, in defense. when you've got China kind of doing the China thing right now. Think about you probably that. don't want to have that be your priority. I mean, because if you think about this, that's the difference. I always say you run a country like you're running a household. You have X amount of income, Y amount of bills, okay? Yeah. You have what you want to do. You have what you you know need to do, your obligations. So to everybody listening right now, imagine on your credit card, you're charging vital things like food and yeah. gas, these things you have to pay for. Imagine a world where the interest rate you're paying every month, 
okay, you're spending more money on the interest rate than you actually have to spend on goods and food. Right. That's how we're running the country right now. Yeah. So your groceries aren't our biggest expense. Our biggest expense is interest on last month's groceries. Pay, just trying to finance the groceries you couldn't pay for last month. I Dude. mean, and the, and the problem is we're not buying groceries either. Yeah. I mean, groceries sounds good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm buying a little less. We're, we're, who even knows what we're buying? <laughs> we don't. I mean, it's billions of dollars. COVID is just the latest example. I mean, there's yeah. just documented billions of dollars of fraud and waste. That's not groceries. That's no. not broccoli. No, that, not, that's nothing. I mean, it's just money into somebody's pocket who found a way to cheat. Well, that's the part that's so infuriating. I mean, the one upside to this, I keep telling them as a silver lining, is yes, we send a lot of money to Ukraine, but that's not a country with any record of corruption. Like, clearly... <laughs> yeah, clearly thankfully, the, all of it was used well. <laughs> clearly, the bookmaking there by their accountants over at Madoff and Madoff. <laughs> <laughs> The accounting firm of Sam Bankman Madoff. Uh, that's not going to be an issue for us. We're talking to Brian Brinberg. <laughs> dying. But it's crazy. But you want to know what? There are still signs. You know, when you talk about consumer sentiment, one place consumer sentiment still strong, yeah. NFL football. The no. average Super Bowl ticket price, $4,700. I, I, I saw this, yeah. I I mean, just the amount of money you got to spend. Something something like ten grand all in for yeah. a hotel. You know how much a hotel? <laughs> Motel 6. Yeah. You're going to pay $600 a night. They jack Motel it up near 6. the game. Can you believe that? Wow, that is madness. Like they're, you know, I guess it's costly to leave the light on for you. I don't know. <laughs> you know you gotta, but I'm thinking like, I, you know, the one thing that's come down is chicken wings. So is that true? we talked about chicken wings down. Is this something that went on in the big Apparently. Month? Now I haven't, you know, I haven't bought my chicken wings yet for the big game, but apparently it's way down. So you stay home. How are we, so how are eggs expensive, but chicken wings not? I can't tell you. That's, you know, that whole conundrum I don't get. Maybe it's the you couldn't lay, but you had to kill them because of the avian, the bird flu well, the, thing. And uh, so I don't, can you the, eat those? I don't know. Yeah. How about this now? Now we got to have that talk with the kids about the chicken. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Well, here's my question then maybe. Maybe chicken wing production takes place. It's like in advance because they're probably frozen when they're given to you at the store. So maybe the batch of wings was yeah. produced there may be, there may be prior an, to the there flu may be outbreak. Listen to us sitting here right now trying to figure no, out. I'm a chicken detective. I'm certified. Of... <laughs> chicken de- what do you do for a living? A chicken detective. All I'm really thinking is I, I like meat. Can right? we eat meat? I'd you... like to eat some meat. Worst joke we'll tell on the show this year. I am a chicken detective, and I suspect <laughs> foul play. Boom, boom. That was the worst thing I ever heard. Isn't that one? Worst thing I've I'm ever heard. I'm using that one tonight. <laughs> I, am, I, I guarantee we're eating chicken at the Brenberg House. I'm going to use that it's one. It's the right thing to do. Uh, you and I might be eating steak in the near future. So Brenberg, I may, me, me and Brenberg made like a weird deal. And by a deal, I just non-consensually forced him into a steak uh, after his show launch. I said, if you get in a show, you know, we got to have a steak. Because me and you, we have a, a good history with steak. Uh, here in the city, we went out with Kennedy and Lincoln Fela. That was so much fun. Who wore my clothes that I wear on Gutfeld and demoralized me into working out. Because I saw what a skinny person looks like <laughs> in my clothes. And he put like a three pound dent in it for That's me. Right. I mean, I'm still not there. I still got. I was watching myself on Fox and Friends first today. This is a funny thing about being on TV, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. Is uh, for us, like, yeah, obviously you want the hit to go good. You want it to be fun and funny. But I am concerned with how things look. It's a visual medium, it's right? A visual medium. So it's so funny that I got back to my office after Fox and Friends, and Maria, who kind of runs the radio talent here at Fox, emailed me. She's like, hey, your, uh, your Fox and Friends hit is at the top of .com. <laughs> and I just looked at the video, and I'm like, oh, S. <laughs> like, not that one. In the tan jacket of all my years on the force. <laughs> like this. 
And so there was a lot of Rocky theme music playing in his office the rest of the morning as he was uh, <laughs> jumping rope and and uh, if I yeah if I looked a little sweaty on Varney it's because uh, <laughs> he was doing killers out in the hallway before the uh, had to do it Brent but you know what if you think it sounds like a dream come true to go to dinner with Kennedy and Jimmy Fallon it is I mean, oh, it was abs- I just sat there the whole time and it was like great food. The most insanely awesome conversation ever, we'll and the weirdest guy in the world buying an unlimited amount of port for us. <laughs> Fela can describe that if he wants. But I was like, "How did I? How did I end up winning this lottery? Do you know? I didn't even know I was playing this lottery, and I won it." That's the nice thing. It's a nice thing about these. It's uh, you, you've also do you remember those old like you'd get an email that you want a Jeep Cherokee, and you just got to send the tax. <laughs> <laughs> you send the there's no Jeep Cherokee coming, folks. Just so you know. I was uh, I was involved in one of those for a half hour once. My parents were away on vacation. It was like in the infancies of email. It's like the year right around the year two thousand. Okay, and I was like, I, I, you guys got to send me money. I want a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> My dad's like, what are you talking about? Wait, you, nobody won a Jeep Cherokee. He's like, what, where'd you buy the raffle ticket? I'm like, I didn't. And he just hung up on me. He's like, are you stupid? It's not even gonna Wait, dignify you this won a call. raffle. You didn't buy a ticket to. But anyway, since you bring up the the steak dinner, Lincoln Fela on this show has famously told the story of the guy buying us port wine because he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. A guy at uh, the Bobby Van Steakhouse, which is pound for pound the best steakhouse anywhere in in Manhattan. Uh, I've been going there since I was a cab driver, and uh, they're they're, they're pretty good Fox fans. They're great people, but there was a guest who was a big Fox fan who wanted to show his appreciation by sending us a round of port wine, which is a dessert wine. That's great. A round of port is great. Home run. You know what's not great? 13 rounds of port. (laughs) 15 rounds of port. When you're begging the guy, just really, we feel appreciated. Dude, Thank we're, you. we're now dumping the port into house plants. <laughs> and the guy sending it over is now in a fight with us, not because he knows we're dumping out the wine, but because he's just intoxicated. He's like, what, you won't talk to me? I don't have my own show. I'm not Sean Hannity over here. And I'm like, dude, we just toasted you 14 times. <laughs> Like, I've torn a rotator cuff from lifting my arm in a toast. I now need – I'm getting Tommy John surgery, and you're sending me more wine. Can you please stop? And no, you can't. Oh, but the point is that's the kind of appreciation. It's the fine line, as we always say, between the meal and the hazing ritual. That's right. But lucky, luckily for you, I still have TV hits this week, so I probably won't eat that bad because uh-huh. I can't in good conscience <laughs> see myself at the top of Does a website. Does he do this every TNC. show to you guys? Does he do this every show, no. the whole – the whole weight thing. I mean, come no, on. No, no, but listen, it works. Like Guys I, like uh, Lou Ferrigno over here. We just got a message. Hold on. You listen in the side headphone there. We just got a message from Wardrobe. Just hold on. You're killing yourself the way you eat. <laughs> Y'all fat f- look at you. That's my voicemail, Brenberg. I just got, just got that call from Manny down in Wardrobe. He just called me a minute ago. So he saw the hit. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, funny how. But the point is, now you got to play some defense. But even so, I'll bring it back to a substantive place. On the economy, when it comes to the debt ceiling, okay, we were just talking to Representative Luna from the great state of Florida, mm-hmm. freshman congresswoman, mm-hmm. who said she is just so patently blown away, uh, and she's on the oversight committee, uh, but in discussions about specifically the debt ceiling and how nobody cares yeah. about spending money. Well, it's not their money. I mean, that you know, is that really? It's just that simple. It's just well, think about it. I mean, where would you eat? Well, no, we've already been talking about the whole. You <laughs> don't bring it back there. I've eaten steak every night. Wouldn't you? Though I mean, I just it's it's why why would you give up the chance to spend somebody else's money, especially when you feel like you can guilt them into not giving it to you? Yeah, right. I mean, if you stop, 
if you guys try to cut spending, like who are you going to leave in the ditch? Who are you not going to provide for? I mean, it's we're getting guilt tripped yeah. for wanting to bring <laughs> the federal budget below six trillion dollars. Imagine that. And they won't even – it's crazy, and they won't you got to be heartless to bring the federal budget below six tr- – that's <laughs> honestly what's happening right now in this country. And you know what's funny, though, okay, because the way it was explained to me, talking to Brian Brenberg, co-host of The Big Money Show, by the way. It just sounds good. The Hollywood. Big, Hollywood. The Big Money Show. It does. It, you know, it half sounds like a gambling show, though. It sounds like you're sponsored by DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> lock it up! It's my three-point AFC lock of the year. This is Brian Bremberg. It's, it's a good, wholesome family show. It's it is a good, actually. Wholesome but of course show. it is. But I still can dream that one day FBN's just doing a gambling show and I'm on there with my arm in a sling because I haven't paid a bookie, but I'm going to give out another tip. <laughs> That's a good segment, though. That it's could be a segment. AFC South Lock of the Year, Jimmy Fallon. All right, anyway. So I was. it was explained to me that they do go through committee on like 29% of the budget. 29%. For real. And yeah. then there's like almost 70% that's just essentially things no one ever reads or reads up on. Like they analyze things like defense. Is that kind of true? Yeah, they, they're looking at that because that gets headlines. I mm-hmm. mean, most of the budget's mandatory spending. Yeah. They, they, they say they have no control over it, so that just goes through. But they don't pass budgets anyway. They just keep rolling over from last year with some kind of increase. It's the easiest way to do it because nobody ever has to examine anything. All they do is look at a number, say let's add something to it, and push it through and let somebody else figure it out. It's so crazy because if you look at that like a business, like you couldn't pitch that on Shark Tank. No, no, we won't have a budget. Yeah. Here's the thing. We got this big. <laughs> this is the secret. You're, you're going to believe this. No budget. <laughs> no. We're not even going to track costs. I, I guarantee. <laughs> and costs. probably 10 to 20 percent is going to be fraud. <laughs> Who's with me? What do you come on? Where's everybody this, going? It's killer idea. This sounds like a show called Loan Shark Tank. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Who's with me? Where are you guys going? But that's how we're running our government. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if you look at it like a business, what you understand is the business in Washington is re-election. Yeah. And that's all they care no, no, that's about. No, that's your that's – your, here's the thing I think. If Republicans could do one thing really helpful in this cycle, they would actually comb through this with a fine-tooth comb, and they would come up with about a 1,000 things that constitute waste, fraud, and abuse. And just say, I'm going to name them all for you. We're going to – all we're going to do on PR is to put these things out there and put dollar amounts by them and just say – all we're asking, Mr. President, is these things you cut so we can raise the debt ceiling. That's what they should be doing. Make this very, very concrete. They haven't done that yet. But that would be productive. And you, my friend, haven't been around Washington. I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm still thinking puppy dogs and lollipops. I'm dreaming here. I'm dreaming. I'm right, sorry. Take off the Uncle Sam hat. He walked in on stilts. He can walk out on them now. We're Follow back. Green, baby. We're back after this. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. We're not bringing in Mariano Rivera. We don't have him. We don't have Mariano Rivera. We have a Mario's Pizza down the block from my house. It's about the best I can do. It's a fine pizza. Josh, would you not say that pound for pound is chain pizzerias go on Long Island? Because Mario's kind of a regional chain. Pretty solid. It's it's very, very, very tasty pizza. High-level consistency. Mario's, if you're listening. If anyone's listening on WRCN out in Suffolk County, uh, you might want to migrate east to Mario's live it up. Uh, of course, if Mario's is not in your future, but you'd like some spiritual pizza, 
Okay, you turn on the Fox Business Network tonight at 7. You will see me in the ring with the K-Train, the woman who started the whole thing. I will be on Kennedy on the party panel. And then at 10 o'clock, the word on the street is I will also be appearing on the Ingram Angle, pending breaking news and everything in between. But one way or the other, the show is over. Pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.